Hey, this is Pastor Dave from Cross Point Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. We are a church on the move to redeem people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can learn more about us by checking out our website at crosspointwestdallas.com. You can watch one of our services by going to our YouTube channel at Cross Point Church West Dallas. More than anything, we'd love to meet you in person and for you to be our guest on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We meet every Sunday at 11,000 West Oklahoma Avenue in the great city of West Dallas. We would love to see you soon. And may God use this message to give power and grace to you today. My name's Dave. It's great to see you guys today. And um, it's great to see some new faces here. If you're a guest with us, we're very glad that you were able to join us today. We would love, I'd love to get the chance to meet you after the service. I'll be hanging around out back there. Um, if you're comfortable, I'd love to just meet you, get to know your name and uh, how, you, how you heard about us. And you can connect with us by scanning that QR code on the back of the seat in front of you, or you can grab the, there's actually a card, I think you can grab that and fill it out by hand if you're comfortable doing that. We would love the opportunity to meet you and get to know you a little bit. And we've been in a series over the last few weeks. Uh, the series title is Called by God. And every week you've been hearing from a different speaker who's been sharing about how God called them to follow Jesus and what God has called them, a little bit what God has called them to do. And last, last week you heard from uh, one of our elders, Dave Gustafson. He preached his first sermon and he did a great job. He talked about discernment. And I was thinking about that message this last week. And I, I get to preach today. Uh, my name is also Dave. I am uh, the pastor for preaching and vision here at Cross Point. And today we're going to talk about encouragement. And the title of today's message is Called by God to Encourage. And I wanted to begin today with a brief passage from the book of Romans that gives us a condensed list of spiritual gifts. These aren't all the spiritual gifts. This is just one passage that tells us about some of them, and I wanted to share it with you from Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you any leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. This is God's word, and we're going to pause just for a moment and pray for God's blessing this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. We believe, God, that your word is alive and active and that you speak to us through your word we pray, God, that you would give us insight and that you would make your word come alive in our hearts today, that you would convict us of sin, that you would stir in our hearts uh, a love and desire for you and to be more like Jesus. God, bless the preaching of your word today. May it go out with power. Uh, may you give me um, peace and may I speak your words uh, truly and in the power of your spirit. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So, the passage we just read is, is, a, is a, as sort of a list of spiritual gifts. And one of the gifts that Paul tells us is important is this gift of encouragement. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Now, this is important. Some of us have the spiritual gift of encouragement. And you, maybe you know about that, maybe you don't. But all of us are called 
to encourage others. Okay? It's important for you to know that. 1 Thessalonians, we, read, we went through 1 and 2 Thessalonians a couple months ago. This is what it says again in, verse, in chapter 5. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. So what God is saying is that Jesus Christ died for your sins. He died to forgive us. and God saved us from the, the punishment that our sin deserves by sending Jesus. And he chose us. God chose us and he called us. And Christ died for us so that when he returns, we can be with him forever. So what? What should we do because of all that? Encourage each other and build each other up. That's a letter to the church. And God is saying, because of the salvation that you've received, because of the grace you've received from God in your life, encourage each other and build each other up. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. Now here's something I know about encouragement. Encouragement is one of the least attractive spiritual gifts. In all of my years as a pastor, I have never once heard someone say, I really want to be an encourager. I I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because being an encourager sounds soft, or it doesn't come with a title. It won't get you on stage. But let me tell you something. You take encouragers out of the church, and the whole thing falls apart. The church would fall apart. And here is something I know is true of every human being. All of us need encouragement. Every single person is carrying, every one of us will carry some weight around in our life that most people don't know about. Every single person you interact with is facing some battle or some difficulty in their life that you don't know about. And you know why you don't know about it? Because they don't want you to know about it. And you know why that is? And, And I think you all would agree with me. Human beings are really good at hiding what's really going on on the inside. We pretend that things are good. We pretend we have it together. We come here on Sundays and we smile. And maybe that's because you're happy or maybe it's because you just want people to think you're happy. We're just not very good at being real with each other. About six years ago, I was leading uh, this weekly Bible study with a group of people, including a, a, a few guys in their 20s. And one of these guys would invite his friends and co-workers all the time. And one of his friends who started coming was a pretty intense dude. He, he was always very interested in everything we were talking about. He, he took the Bible seriously. He always asked really good questions. He was looking for hope. And, and that, that, that much was obvious. And any time that he was with us for a study, he was fully engaged. He, w- he wanted to be there. He wanted to make the most of that time. And one of the things I learned about him was he had a really rough background. He had a really rough family life. He was not loved by his family. But he believed in God. He believed God was calling him to follow Jesus. And after being in our group for a few months and studying the Bible together, he decided to be baptized. And I had the honor of baptizing him in front of our church. And I was really encouraged by his faith and also by his spiritual intensity. But not long after his baptism, he started to distance himself from our church and from our Bible study and also from me. And he, you know, we stopped seeing him and 
I, uh, I would reach out to him and wouldn't hear anything back. And his friend who had brought him said, yeah, he's going through a rough season and he's not, I haven't really seen him very much. Um, and I learned from uh, a co-worker of his that he struggled with depression. That was not something he ever sh- had shared with me before. And I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but just a few months after his baptism, he went to a shooting range and he rented a rifle and he shot himself in the chest and took his own life. And the way I learned about that was one of his friends texted me the news article. That's how I found out that this happened. It made the local news. I had no idea what he was going through. I had no, no idea how helpless and hopeless he felt. So I, I went to his funeral. And there were about 100 people there. It was at a, was at a funeral home in the, in the area, family and friends. And there was no one from his life to give a eulogy. It was some employee of the funeral home, a, a, some, an officiant, gave a general speech about God and heaven and hell. I didn't talk about hell, but he talked about God and heaven and things like that in very generic terms. And I was sitting there listening to this. I'm like, what, what is going on? Like, did nobody know him? Did nobody know about his faith? And uh, so after this brief eulogy, the officiant opened the mic and said, hey, if anyone wants to come up and share some thoughts or encouraging words, come on up and you know, share, share some memories. And so people started coming up to the mic. Some of his friends, some of his family members, and basically sharing anecdotes. Like, here's something I remember. He used to say this, and he used to do this. Here was something strange about him. Here's something I'll remember about him. And it was really pretty shallow, actually. And I just remember thinking, these people are here, and they're trying to pretend that there's something to celebrate. You know what I mean? And nobody said anything about his faith. And I wondered if anyone even knew about his faith. And I sensed, in a, in a, in a moment, I sent, the Holy Spirit was like, you need to get up there. You, don't, you probably don't know him. You definitely haven't known him as long as these people. But you need to get up there and share what you know. And so I did. I went up there and I said, like, I said something like, I'm a pastor from a small church in West Dallas and I've only known him for about a year but I know that he believed in Jesus. And a few months ago, I baptized him in front of our church. And, and I have no idea, I had no idea what he was going through. And I wish I could go, could go back and help him. But I believe that he trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of his sins. And I believe he's with Jesus now. And that's it. That's pretty much all I said. I got down and after the service was over, there was like a line of people waiting to talk to me. Because nobody knew about it. Nobody knew that he had been going to a church. Nobody knew he believed in Jesus. Nobody knew he, he, none of these family and friends had known that he had been baptized. And it gave them comfort to know that he might be with Jesus, even though they didn't even know what that meant. But they wanted to hear more. And so I was able to have conversations with these friends of his who had never, didn't really even know about Jesus, didn't know about that side of his life. Like they knew the dark side. You know, it was like, here, here were his friends and family, and they knew about the darkness, but not the light. And here I was, and I knew about the light, but not the darkness. And in that kind of strange moment, the darkness and light came together, and we all realized we didn't really know him. We didn't really know him as well as we thought we did. And I have since thought about him, <laughs> what would, would he still be here if I had known, and if I had come alongside and encouraged him more 
in his faith. Last year during quarantine, my, I was driving around this um, subdivision that's like very close to our house and my, our kids and I were driving through this neighborhood and we saw a teenage girl walking by herself with a, a hood on and her head down and we realized we knew, we knew her. So we rolled down the windows and started shouting her name because that's what we do when we see someone we know. <laughs> it's probably obnoxious, but it's just what we do. Hey! And she looked up. As soon as she looked up at us, I could tell she was crying. And she was having an emotional breakdown of some kind. So we pulled over, and I asked if we could pray for her, and we did. We prayed for her right there on the side of the road because sometimes that's all you can do. When someone is hurting, you stop and you give them your full attention and you come alongside them and you pray for them and you tell them, we're here for you. You know, you're not alone in this. And sometimes that's all they need. And she, she won't remember anything that I said or anything that I prayed, but she will remember that we stopped and prayed. And sometimes that's enough to encourage someone and to help them to keep going, to keep going, to get back up and keep following Jesus. You know, we had a baptism service here a few weeks ago, and, and we were able to hear stories from, from people who, have, who God has called out of darkness and into the light, and people who have decided to follow Jesus. And one of those stories I remember very well from Jean Johnson as she shared about how she, you know, several years ago, she was at her auto repair shop getting her car fixed, and it was, she was going through this really hard time in life, and one of the workers there, or whoever, actually I think it was just some guy who was there too, waiting for his car, and he saw that there was something wrong, and all he did was say, are you okay? And she, just like that teenage girl, she had an emotional breakdown right there waiting for her car and shared with him what was going on in her life. And he shared with her about his relationship with Jesus. And right there in the waiting room, she turned her life over to Christ and her life has never been the same. Everybody needs encouragement. And sometimes, when, if you're just there, if you're available, if you're in the right right place in the right time, God might use you to turn to someone and say, are you okay? And that's all that needed to happen for them to say yes to God. So we should never take encouragement lightly. We should never miss an opportunity to encourage someone who's struggling, to encourage someone who's, who has stumbled in life or who's going through something hard in life because that's what the church is called to do. So why is encouragement so important? Listen to this quote. We live in a broken world where everything calls us towards selfishness and despair. Sin steals joy. Our bodies break down. Our plans falter. Our dreams die. Our resolves weaken. Our perspective dims. We are promised suffering, persecution, and trials of various kinds. When encouragement is absent from the life of a church, people will feel unloved, unimportant, useless, and forgotten. God shows his people are in need of grace-filled reminders, so he calls us to encourage each other every day until his son returns. We aren't, listen, encouragement is not soft. 
Okay, we aren't talking about complimenting someone's new haircut or telling someone their food tastes good. That's not biblical encouragement, even though if you, you know, that's cool you say that to someone if you mean it. But that's not what we're talking about. Okay, what we're talking about is moving a person towards a deeper relationship with God. That's what encouragement does. It is a spiritual action. It is, a, it is something you say to someone or do for someone that moves them towards a deeper relationship with God. And that's what the church is built on. It's built on encouragement. It is affirming what God is doing in a person's life. It's coming alongside someone and saying, I see God in you. I see God working in your life. I've seen, God, I've seen the fruit of God's spirit in your life. I've seen you come alive. You used to be more like this, but now you're, now you're not. I know that I know that God is alive in you. And every single one of us needs someone else to, to say that, to see it and then say it. Listen to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In other words, this is something the church, you don't just do this every once in a while. We don't just do it when it feels right. We do this every day we, it, while it's called today. In other words, don't miss an opportunity. Don't miss an opportunity to, to tell someone that you see God at work in their life when you see it. Because sin will deceive us. And sin, if, if we're not encouraging each other all the time, sin will sneak in and deceive us and take hold and harden our hearts. Sin will harden our hearts towards God. Sin will harden our hearts towards one another. And it will, it will cause us as a church to be distracted from God's activity. Sin lives in our hearts and it tells us lies about God. That's what sin does. It, it lies to us about God. It tells us lies about ourselves. It tells us lies about other people. Sin tells you what you don't have. Sin tells you nothing will ever change. Sin tells you you aren't enough. Sin tells you that it's all your fault. Sin tells you it's impossible. But God speaks to us in a totally different way. Listen to how God speaks to us in, in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So here's what uh, God is saying in this verse. Here's what God says to us by his spirit. He says, you are mine. You are mine. That's what God's spirit says to us over and over and over again. That's what God reminds us of over and over and over again. And that's what the enemy is always lying to us about. The enemy is constantly lying to us and trying to persuade us that we are not gods. And that we have you know, we have fallen short and that we'll never be enough. We'll never be good enough. God will never accept us because we have failed and we have sinned and all of these other reasons and, and the enemy is going to keep telling us that 
God's out to get us, and God's going to get back at us for all the bad things that we've done. But God's Spirit continually tells us, you are God's child. And you are God's precious child, and he sent his son to to purchase you with his own blood. He died for you, and you are his now, and nothing can ever separate you from God's love. Nothing. You are mine. And there's a guy, actually, in the New Testament who was known to be a great encourager. And I want to introduce you to him today. His name is Barnabas. You guys ever heard of Barnabas? Barnabas means, his name means, son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. And the Greek word translated encouragement is the same Greek word that we hear on the lips of Jesus to describe the Holy Spirit. The same word. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. The Holy Spirit encourages us. And so Barnabas means son of encouragement. Now Barnabas had a huge impact in a lot of people's lives, but especially on a man named Paul. You guys have heard of Paul, right? (laughs) Paul, he like wrote half the New Testament. He planted churches all over the ancient Near East. He loved Jesus more than life itself. He's written some of the most cherished literature in the history of the world. And he died a martyr's death for his faith in Jesus. But before Paul did any of that, and before Paul became a household name, he met Barnabas. And Barnabas saw something in Paul that nobody else did. So, for example, we're not going to read all the passages today, but in Acts chapter 9, we hear about, we actually hear about Paul before Acts chapter 9. Paul was present when Stephen was stoned to death, and Paul was approved of that, and Paul hated the church. Paul hated the name of Jesus. He hated Christians. He hated the church. He thought they were a bunch of liars and, and blasphemers, and he wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth. And so he was going around from house to house and pulling Christians out of their homes, having them arrested, thrown into prison, confiscating their possessions, confiscating their homes, and ruining their lives. And as Paul was on this mission to destroy Christians and the church, he had an encounter with the living Jesus. And we read about this in Acts chapter 9. And and here's what happened. Paul was on his way to to Damascus to persecute Christians, and all of a sudden... (laughs) Jesus showed up and knocked him off of his horse and blinded him. And he gave Paul a new mission in life. That's what happened. And we hear about it throughout the book of Acts. And Paul went from being an enemy of Christ in the church to being a champion for Christ and his church. And many people assume this happened overnight. But what many people don't know is that a period of 14 years passed between Paul's encounter with Jesus in Acts 9 and his first missionary journey in Acts 13. And the problem was that Paul had this reputation for being vicious towards Christians. And he earned that. All right? And at the time when Paul encountered Jesus on his road, on the road to Damascus, all the Christians were in one city, Jerusalem. They were all in Jerusalem, and they were all terrified of Paul. They had only heard about his past. They they heard about how he was persecuting Christians everywhere and throwing them into prison. and, and, And so they were not ready to see him as one of their brothers. They did not believe his change was real. They were skeptical about Paul's new direction in life. And they probably were thinking, maybe Paul is pretending to be one of us 
so that he can infiltrate the church and show up at our service some Sunday morning and worship with us and sing with us, and then all of a sudden the Roman soldiers are going to come in and start dragging us away. I would be skeptical of that. I might think that. So nobody, no, none of the Christians in Jerusalem were, were, were convinced that Paul was on their side. So they kept their distance. Everyone except for Barnabas. Barnabas finds Paul and he believes in Paul. And he starts telling the Jewish Christian leaders, Paul is the real deal. He saw Jesus. Jesus spoke to him. And now he's telling others about Jesus. He almost lost his life in Greece for talking about Jesus. And now he's here. He's one of us. He brought Paul back to Jerusalem. He introduced them to the 12 disciples who were all skeptical. 12 disciples, one Barnabas. Barnabas was the only one who stood up for Paul. And when the 12 disciples heard of Jesus, heard Barnabas, they took Paul in. And Paul would have never been able to go out on his mission, first missionary journey if that didn't happen. And so here's what we read in Acts chapter 11. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, okay, what had happened was some Christians from Jerusalem had to leave Jerusalem and run for their lives, and they started telling Gentiles about Jesus, and Gentiles started turning to faith in Christ in droves, and a new church was born in Antioch. That's what happened. Okay, so... When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Why? Because of Barnabas' faith. Because he was an encourager. His encouragement led to many believers coming to faith in Christ. Listen to verse 25. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. Who's Saul? Well, it's Paul. It's the same guy. Saul and Paul. Saul was his uh, Hebrew name. Paul was his Greek name. His name never changed from Saul to Paul. He's always Saul and Paul, okay, throughout the entire New Testament. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. And it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. So here's what's happening. The Antioch church was culturally diverse. It's a growing church with lots of new Christians. And the church in Jerusalem sends Barnabas to check it out. Is this really from God? Are these, do these people really believe in Jesus? Is this really God's spirit on the move? Or is this something else? And Barnabas sees the evidence of God's grace. He says, this is real. This is happening. This is from God. And he encouraged them all to keep following Jesus. And then he went looking for Paul. He finds him. He brings him back to Antioch. And for a whole year, they are teaching and encouraging these new Christians. So here's what you need to know about Barnabas. He's an amazing man of God. He was a very um, effective missionary. He's planting churches everywhere. Many scholars believe Barnabas wrote the book of Hebrews. It's possible. Um, he's this, you know, amazing man of God. He was, he was the encourager. And for years, Barnabas was the teacher and Paul was the student. But Barnabas wanted Paul to embrace God's calling on his life, even if it meant Paul became greater than him. Okay, that's what an encourager does. 
an encourager gets behind someone and then they get out of the way. Like they encourage people and they don't, they don't need to be the one on the stage. They don't need to be the one who gets the credit. They don't need to be the one, you know, you know what I mean? They want to see other people grow. They want to see other people succeed. And so they're willing to get behind them. And that's what, part of, that's what Barnabas did in Paul's life. That's what Barnabas did. He was willing to give Paul the stage and Paul the credit and Paul the authority and let Paul be first because that's the kind of man he was. Now they had their disagreements. Their relationship was not perfect. But Barnabas was the only guy willing to stick his neck out for Paul and that's all Paul needed. He, all he needed was one leader to come by his side and say, I see God doing something great in you and I'm willing to defend you in front of the whole church. And that's what Barnabas did for Paul. If Barnabas hadn't done that, you and I might have never heard of Paul. We all need a Barnabas in our life. Every single one of us. Who is your Barnabas? For some of you, it's your mom. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your grandma or grandpa. Maybe it's an aunt or uncle. Maybe it's your brother or sister who comes alongside and cheers you on. Maybe it's your son or daughter. It could be your wife or husband. Maybe it's someone from your school, a teacher. Is it someone in this room? It could be. Because every single person here is called to encourage. And Barnabas was the way he was because of Jesus. Barnabas was just being like Jesus. And Jesus Christ is the greatest encourager who ever lived. Jesus built people up who were totally broken. Jesus spent time with people who were at their lowest point in life. He defended people who were at their lowest. Who had just, you know, made the worst choice they ever have. People on the verge of execution. Jesus one time stood between a group of Pharisees and a woman who was just caught in adultery. And he defended her. And then he encouraged her. I mean, nobody else was willing to do that. Jesus spent lots of time with people carrying heavy burdens of sin and guilt and shame. And he lifted them up and he loved them and he accepted them and he healed them. And he showed them a glimpse of what their life could be. And then he called them to follow him. That's what Jesus did everywhere he went. He's the greatest encourager the world has ever seen. He was willing to defend people and encourage people who didn't deserve it. People who had made a total wreck of their lives. Listen to something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Okay, when Jesus calls a sinner, when Jesus calls you, he promises to be with you no matter what you're going through. He is with you in the darkness. He is with you in your sorrow. He's with you in your fears. He's with you in your depression. He is with you always, even when it doesn't feel like it. 
Jesus is there to carry your burdens. He takes your burden on himself and he gives you lightness. He gives you freedom. He is humble and gentle and he gives his followers rest. While many people look, look at God and they see God as this angry, condemning, distant, impersonal force, Jesus tells us something different. Jesus shows us who God really is. God is gentle and humble and lowly, and he's ready to take that burden and set you free. A, a new way of life. No more condemnation ever. This morning, I wanted to challenge you. There is a, a card. I meant to grab one, but there should be a card in the seat in front of you, a little white envelope with a, a little card. And I wanted to challenge you this morning to take some time, sometime today. It doesn't have to be right now, but sometime today and write a note of encouragement to somebody. Let, do you know someone in your life, in your family, a friend of yours, maybe a coworker, someone you know who's carrying a heavy burden right now, someone you know who's going through something hard, someone you know who maybe feels alone, would you be willing to just write a note and let them know that you are with them, that you are for them? Give them something in their future to look forward to. Tell them something you appreciate about them or, or something that you like about them or love about them and let them know you're thinking about them and that you care. I mean, you have no idea how God could use that in someone's life to encourage them. Um, and there's also another important document that I wanted to bring to your attention that's on the back uh, table, that back pub table that's in between the two doors. We have printed out about uh, 50 or so church directories, and we haven't updated that in a while. But the church directory contains all the names of people who attend our church, or at least from a year ago. <laughs> and um, all their names and numbers and email addresses. And if you're not sure who to send an encouraging card to, I would encourage you, grab one of those directories. Because it's the church directory, and I've gone through a couple of them now, is one of the most important things that I own. Because as elders and as leaders in a church, we often will go through that directory and pray for you. We might call you, we might send you a card, we might send you a note, just to let you know that we see you and that we love you and we care about you and we're here for you. So if you don't have a directory, I'd encourage you to grab one on your way out and, and use that as a tool. Now in a, in a few weeks, I'm going to close this series and I'm going to tell you the story of how God called me from darkness to light, because uh, my story is a little different than, uh, than Phil's and then Day and Don's and Dave's and Matt's and Peter's, and next week you're going to hear from Henry and Darlene, they're evangelists from Jerusalem. They're going to share a bit, bit about how God has called them, and they have a really unique story. I'm excited for you guys to hear from them. Um, but I'm going to challenge you in a few weeks. I'm going to challenge our church in a... In a in a hard way, all right? But there's something you should know about me. I have always struggled with insecurity. Always. I've just always struggled with insecurity. I, I, there's a lot of things that if I could go back and do them differently, I would, you know? And I have a hard time going back to the past 
And, and I think way too much about the past. Anyone else here think way too much about your past? I do. I, I mean, wh- when I started following Jesus, I should have just cut that loose altogether and never thought about it again. And you know, not that I would forget the people who've, in, who've influenced me and who were part of that, but we just carry the past through life with us. And it's like this big, heavy trailer that we try carting through life. And it doesn't do us any good at all. And I struggle with that. And I struggle with insecurity because of that. I never graduated from college. I'm not highly intelligent. I've made a lot of huge mistakes in life. I don't have the gift of discernment. I, I make poor choices. I'm not like Dave Gustafson. I make poor choices. And um, I sometimes just do stupid things. I just do. When I listen to the guys in my small group when we get together, I realize I know very little about what's going on in the world. I realize that I have very little knowledge about pretty much everything. When I, and I'm like, man, you guys, how do you know so much stuff? And I just, that's what, things I struggle with, you know? Many of you will go way further in life than me. Many of you will make way more of a difference than me, than I ever will. But I know this, I would not be who I am and I would not be doing what I'm doing right now if it weren't for God bringing people in my life who saw God working in me in ways I didn't. There are so many people in my life I could point to. My parents, my in-laws, my wife, my church, my pastors, my friends, my small group guys. There are so many people who are in my life now and who God has brought alongside me. And all they've done along the way is said, I see God in your life and here's what I see him doing. And I didn't see it until they said that. And that's all I needed to hear to keep going. And I would not be who I am without them, without those people. There is no way. I needed that. I needed that so much. And I need it still. I still need people to encourage me every single day. And you do too. And if you think you don't, you're lying to yourself. We all need that desperately. We all need to be encouragers. We all need to be defenders of others. We all need to advocate for each other. We all need to exhort one another and encourage each other to be who God's called us to be. Would you be willing to do that for someone this week? You know, Paul was given a platform and Paul was able to use his gifts because of Barnabas. Barnabas was his biggest fan. And you need to let someone else know that you're their biggest fan. And please remember this. When sin tells you lies, the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is alive in you, telling us and pleading with us, you are God's. God is not going to give up on you. Jesus fought for you and won. And nothing can ever change that. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that your word is full of encouragement and full of reminders of everything you've done for us. And usually on a daily basis, that's all we need to remember is what you've already done for us and what you've already said and what you've already promised and that our story is going to end with Jesus coming back and redeeming us and making us whole with new bodies in a new world where we will be with you forever. God, encourage us with these words today. Encourage us by your word.
and send us out to encourage others. May we be a church that is constantly encouraging one another and moving each other towards a deeper relationship with you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Hey, Pastor Dave, thanks again for listening to this message. We want you to know that what you just heard is a glimpse of what happens on Sunday mornings, but you know, the church is so much more than what happens on a Sunday mornings. Coming to a service is, is just a slice of who we are and what God is doing in and through us. So we would love to get to know you and let you get to know us. And maybe the best way to do that is come to one of our services, but you can also go to our website and fill out a contact form and one of our pastors will follow up with you very shortly. Until then, we hope you have a great day and thanks again for listening.